This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Viva la France, you might say even. Um, we are coming at you live from the Vivid Seats studio, which, um, as you well know, if you've been listening the last few episodes, also doubles as my kitchen. And um, we have a very, 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 very cool episode uh, today with Christian Winfield, uh, formerly of SB Nation, um, used to have some of his stuff up on Posting and Toasting, our friends. Uh, on the interwebs and now writes for the New York Daily News and he talks a little bit about what that's been like um, especially with everything um, all of the I'll say conversation about the Daily News over the last um, you know year plus and uh, we get into Frank we get into the Knicks uh, we had a really 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 uh, nice talk so I think everybody's going to enjoy that um, but before we get to that I just um, I had to recount quick, funny story of my day. So it's, it's late on Wednesday night. Um, as those of you listening probably know, I am a teacher by day. That is what pays the bills. So, uh, well, there was definitely a part of me that thought of calling in sick on my, uh, I think this was the fifth day that students were there in school this year. Um, I, I thought that would be a little bit unbecoming of me. Um, and so I instead thought it was a much better idea to walk into my first period class um, with ESPN uh, playing on my phone and then slyly leave my phone in the back of the classroom um, as my co-teacher taught the class from the front of the classroom. Um, and I have to say, I think while the game was going on, I, I was probably paying attention to the students maybe like 35% of the time, um, which I thought was pretty good. I actually thought that was an accomplishment. Um, luckily, uh, one of those moments was, was not when Frank hit his sidestep three, um, which was just about the most exciting thing um, that I have seen in some time and was awesome. And if you're a person out there who's like, eh, how could you root against Team USA, country before team uh, or professional team, um, I don't know what to tell you. I was rooting for France all the way, and I am absolutely positively thrilled that they won this game. Um, of course, I, I did have, you know, my teacher responsibilities to get to over the course of the morning. And of course, when I finally got a chance to check Twitter 
I come back and see that um, my favorite person in the world, Clarence Gaines, has, as he is, is wont to do, uh, put me on blast a little bit and asked me if I was back on the French Prince train after ignoring him in all of my preseason montages about the Knicks. I, Clarence, I'm quite certain you don't listen to these episodes, but if you do, um, I just want to clarify, maybe for posterity's sake, that I am never ignoring Frank Nilakina in my soul, um, where it counts. Um, I was actually uh, saving the opportunity to write about him until, um, oddly enough, this very week, where uh, if you're listening to this, you probably have a our newsletter in your inbox at about the same time, and I wrote about Frank today, because I wanted to write about him after his FIBA tournament. So Clarence, I assure you that I have not ignored Frank. I would never ignore Frank. I still am a proud owner of all kinds of... It's, I have beachfront property. I have, if you go back a little bit into the jungle, there's like a treehouse. I have a lease on the treehouse. Um, you know, we, we, we recently put up a playground for the youngins. Um, I, I own that too. So we're, I have all, all of the real estate. Don't worry. I'm never going to sell off any of that. Um, so yeah, I just figured I'd share that. Um, and, uh, what else we got before we get to Chris? Uh, oh yes, the rest of the, the Vivid Seats ad. So, um, remember, uh, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. That's a really good deal. You should use that. Um, and now let us get to my conversation with... Christian Winfield. Uh, all right. Uh, so I have with me someone that I have kind of wanted on this podcast for a very long time. And uh, that is not just because he has written about the Knicks a lot. It's not just because he used to have his posts appear on the one and only Posting and Toasting, who I always have people from P&T on this <laughs> show. And I, I love them. Um, but just because he's one of the better writers um, and more consistent writers you will find about the NBA that is out there. I feel like there were periods of time over the last year, a couple of years, where it's like literally every day the man had a piece out. Christian Winfield, how the hell do you do it? <laughs> uh, man, number one, thanks for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Number two, man, I don't know. I guess for me, it's I'm in a position right now, you know, obviously I'm at the Daily News, um, you know, ever since I was in high school, I, I, I kind of wanted to be in this position. You know, I, I got the memo pretty early in my life that I wasn't going to the NBA or that I wasn't going to the NFL, you know. And at that point, I kind of made the decision that I wanted to be around it. I wanted to be around basketball for, for basically the rest of my life. And I was always a good writer. So, I mean, I guess that's the, the long-winded answer to your question of how do you do it is, you know, this is something that I've, I've always wanted to do. So it doesn't really feel like a... Uh, a taxing type of job for me you know this is kind of you know I don't really want to toot my own horn but it's kind of like a dream come true where I'm at right now no I um and I, I'd be remiss if I did not um think of something that I, I think you tweeted out the the day or maybe the day after whatever around when you got the daily news job where you now get to write for the paper that you grew up reading um which I totally get yeah. because I was I was that kid um, like I commuted into high school. I went to high school in a city and I take the subway and I like, I got my copy of the daily news. I think back then it may have been 25 cents. I, I forget if it was 50. Uh, it was one or the other. It was a, f- a few years back. 
and I was always reading, you know, Lupica or, or um, you know, whoever was in there. So I totally feel you, man. Yeah, you know, my uh, my father still, I think for as long as I can remember, he's been getting the daily news delivered to his house. And uh, now he calls me every other day <laughs> trying to argue with me about something I wrote because he's as big a Knicks fan as you'll find. And uh, <laughs> he's he's thinking they're going to the playoffs. He's talking, you know, Julius Randle is about to be an all-star and the Knicks are going to the playoffs and watch Dennis Smith. I'm like, Pops, calm down. Number one, don't get your hopes too far up. I know they're going to be – they're not going to be as terrible as, as everyone thinks they're going to be, but they're not going to – be a playoff team so let's let's pipe it down a little bit but um yeah no daily news that's where i'm at now it's a great place you know i know they've got their their own feud with with madison square garden going on but uh i'm just here to bring a fresh breath a breath of fresh air and bring a different perspective well I, and for let's sit there for just a minute before we get to frank which i know is what people care about i've i tend to just get <laughs> all kinds of people mad at me whenever i bring up the news because i i've consistently defended them every time you know this thing happens with msg um and i think you know people i I, like you said we don't need to rehash it people have like a a comp knicks fans specifically have a complicated relationship with the paper and then to read what you've been writing um since you started for them you know just recently um it's i mean forget about positive for the news it's some of the more positive coverage the knicks have gotten this summer so, um, I mean, you want to talk about a breath of fresh air, it, it's, you know, and, and again, all, all I find that Knicks fans generally want is just objective, like, unbiased coverage, and you, you give that in spades. So, has, how has it been for you so far, being over there with everything? You know, I, I, you know, and me and me and Bondi had a, had a brief conversation about this the other day because you know we have differing views on what the Knicks did this summer. You know, and we just happen to publish stories with with conflicting views on the Knicks on the same day. I noticed that. So we kind of had to have that conversation. I yeah, that. that was that was he he, he shot me a text message like, "Yo, did you not see what I posted?" I'm like, "No, I didn't see what you wrote, bro. My bad." But I mean, like, you know, the, what I told him that same day, I'm like, "Hey, you know." Uh, I call things down the line the way I see it, and you call things down the line the way you see it, you know? And just because we have conflicting points of views doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to write or doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to write, you know? And, and we kind of came to an agreement where it's like, hey, if you have a point, uh, a certain perspective that, that you want to write about, just give me a shout. If he wants to write something about the Nets and I'm going to be covering them a lot this season as well as the next little bit, he'll give me a shout. So it's been kind of like a... Is what, what we've really learned is that, like, you know, communication is key. Um, that doesn't mean you know what i'm saying that i'm going to be you know writing something positive about the knicks every day if the knicks are out there thinking it up or if they're doing something that that doesn't really vibe well with me i'm going to speak my mind but you know from what i've seen from from the knicks so far this summer it looks like they're turning a new leaf and it looks like they're doing things the same way that brooklyn did a couple years ago where they kind of just realized they had to eat dirt and and really build from the bottom up and i think that they've done that and i think that you know I'm a big fan of what they're able to do this summer. Obviously, you think that they're going to go get Kevin Durant and Kyrie. That falls through, which puts together a positive group of veterans and guys who are going to go out there and compete on both ends of the floor. And that's really how you want to have a, a young, up-and-coming team develop. You want to have them in that type of environment where it's guys they are going to scrap that aren't going to you know, let them bullshit around for an entire season. Uh, hopefully, I can curse on the podcast just a little bit. But, you know... I I drop f bombs. I drop f bombs routinely, Chris. <laughs> I, you, I mean, you could do it. I mean, literally, okay. you could do whatever you want. We we have no censors on the show. Um, yeah, it's, it's coming. Good to know. Way. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, but you but but you get where I'm going. You know, the Knicks they've they've done a good job. You know, I I, I, I tip my hat to to Scott Perry and Steve Mills. They've been able to put together a, a, a roster of of competent you know uh, 
I don't want to say battle tested for all of them, but some of those guys are really battle tested veterans. Other of those guys are guys that need another chance. Julius Randle's probably going to have a great season. And uh, I think Dennis Smith Jr. has shown us that if he can hit that jump shot, he's going to be a guy that we've got to watch out for. And then he's he's not he's going to be challenged. You know, Alfred Payton wants his minutes, and he's a guy who's going to compete on both ends of the floor. I think they've got a, a very good two. Okay, very good. I might want to hedge on that. Good, solid. I think they've got a competitive two way <laughs> roster. You know, they've got a competitive two way roster, and I'm really interested to see what they do with this season. I'm I'm happy you said that um, because I actually think it what you just brought up plays into plays into Frank and where his role might be on the team going forward. And you wrote about that a little bit today. Right. Um, you wrote a piece, um, it was a few weeks ago now, I think the one you're referencing, in which you basically, I, I, you wrote that they've created the ideal environment where they'll stay competitive while rebuilding. And you mentioned a couple teams in that article. You mentioned the Clippers also, um, in addition mm-hmm. to, to you know the Nets as kind of a comp. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. You mentioned the Pelicans, how... They kind of had a summer in which they did sort of the same thing that the Knicks did, and and they were right. I don't want to say universally praised for it, but I certainly didn't see any critiques um, of their off season. And and to me, what it comes down to is like, look, you either believe that they got these veterans, and those veterans are going to block the young players, and you know provide a, a log jam that you know Fizz is not going to be able to solve, or like you said, and I believe I've been I've been trumpeting this for the last couple of months that it's going to do exactly what you said and, and kind of push everybody so that the the cream rises to the crop, rising tide lifts all ships, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, I'm excited too. Um, I, I I think you know you you made several really really good points about it. The the thing that I'm I'm curious about. Um, just from your experience, having been in locker rooms and interviewing these guys and really being in the thick of it, is this idea of like no nonsense guys, like you, you said, like guys who aren't going to put up with the bullshit. Is that is that a thing that like you can if like for instance they brought in seven guys, um, all of which right. kind of have that reputation. Do you think that that's kind of a thing that could change over the course of an off season? Because last season, I'm not saying that they were bullshitting around on the court last season, but there was definitely a lack of accountability. Um, I mean, you can't be the worst offense in the NBA and I think the third worst defense and not have a, a certain lack of accountability. So so do you think that that could happen between you know the end of last season and the, and the beginning of next season? I think that what these vets are going to do is is lay the foundation. You know, you've got a guy like Todd Gibson who, who is really going to go out there and push some of these guys. I'm on, he's from New York. I love Todd Gibson. Uh, quick story about him. I'm, I'm having a block party. I live in Bed-Stuy. We're having a block party uh, maybe two or three years ago. I look outside, and my brother, Todd, he goes, yeah, was that Todd Gibson? I'm like, wait, that, oh, that is Todd Gibson. And I go over there, just rap with him real quick. Yeah, I was about to get him a plate of food. He told me I could get out. He's a really cool dude. Um, and he's just a guy that – I mean, I, I feel like a lot of, of, of these rebuilding teams, they need to have good locker room guys who are also going to be out, be able to be out there and contributing on the floor. And uh, the Knicks have a lot of those types of guys right now. And I think that's when you look at a guy like like you go get. I know Reggie Bullock is going to play that many games. He's hurt, but he's coming in. You got obviously Todd Gibson. I like the Julius Randle and the Bobby Portis pickups because those are guys that I would consider kind of under like the the reclamation project type of time. Like Bobby Portis obviously had that incident in Chicago, and he's kind of been bouncing around. Julius. It's Randall. We're still trying to figure out what exactly he is. We see these off-season workouts where he's jacking threes and, and going coast to coast and dunking on people. But will that translate over into an NBA game or an NBA season? 
where he's going probably going to have to put up with a decent amount of losing and can he keep his cool? You've got a lot of different personalities in there, but everyone in there is tough. You bring in Alfred Payton. He wants to play both ends of the ball. You know, you've got a, diff- a couple of different guys in there. And to touch on the Pelicans point where you brought up, um, I think that it's it's a difference in perception. You know, people kind of felt bad for the Pelicans. You know, Anthony Davis is forcing his way out of there. They have to do what they can. He's, he's basically bullying his way to Los Angeles. So it's a pity party. The Pelicans, you know, no one's looking at them as, as a team that, that kind of is having a, a mid-summer. They, they came up. They traded for Anthony Davis. They traded Anthony Davis, got all these guys back. Whereas you look at the Knicks, and they kind of they, they set expectations really high. When, Jay, when, when Dolan goes on the radio and says we're expecting to get two superstars and use all of our max cap space, and you come up with, with Julius Randle and Bobby Portis and a bunch of other guys, I'm Teams are going to be disappointed. Obviously, fans are going to be disappointed, and obviously, other people are going to be laughing at how you how you set the bar so high for yourself and fell short. But in reality, you know, if if getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving was swinging for a home run, and you end up with Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, you still got on base. I think that's what the Knicks did, which is very important. They got on base because last year they weren't even in the stadium, and, <laughs> was, and now they're on base. They're going to be competitive. I mean, it's the truth. The Knicks I, no, I was about to say, how far could we? How far could we push that analogy? Forget about not being in the stadium. They were like, um, I don't know, in the next town over, where 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 they don't know what baseball is. I, I, I'm literally right. I, exactly. It, it was not. It was not good. That's funny. Um, let's just yeah, say but that. I mean, they. they I, I think they're going to be a at, at the very least, they'll be a competent basketball team. I think we learn a lot about David Fisdale this season. You know, last year. Anybody could have had this. Anybody, any coach you put into his position would have finished with the same record that he had, give or take a couple of wins or a couple more losses. He kept the composure. A lot of the players were saying that they they, they thanked Fizz or they, they counted on Fizz for keeping them stable that entire season. I don't know how he kept them stable in that locker room when you've got all a bunch of guys losing like that. I think this year he's got vets that he can talk to that will tap into the younger players on the floor. Um, I think he's going to have to show us how he's going to be able to develop. We need to see steps. We need to see Kevin Knox, obviously, we need to see him hit that three-pointer more consistently. We need to see him slow himself down. Uh, a lot of times we'd see him attack the rack just like with a head team, and he really did, needed to slow it down so he can make a play or two for others. Um, RJ, obviously, we've got to see what he's got. And uh, I think RJ is going to have a low learning curve. I, I don't think he's going to come out here and have a rookie of the year season. I think it's going to take him a couple seasons to get everything under him. I could be wrong. I know. I, I, I think he's going to be a – I think he's going to be a two or three year guy before he can really start making impacts on the game. And they've got the, the second rounder too, Iggy. I think Iggy is going to have a really good season, and it's going to be up to Fizz to find ways to to fit minutes into in, fit minutes in for him because the Knicks have so many bigs, and Iggy is probably best going to be served at the three. So how are you going to fit him in there? Another guy I didn't even mention was Marcus Morris. I thought that was a very key signing. That's a culture-setting locker room guy who's also going to go out there and get you 20 on one side and give you four hard fouls on another on the other side. I think that those guys, when you look at the, the roster the Knicks put together, you, you might say, okay, it's lacking a star, but there's going to be games that they can play You know, against teams like the Hawks who are supposed to be an up-and-coming team the Knicks can go out there and and bully their way to a win because you got guys like Marcus Morris and Bobby Portis and Julius Red and Lataj Gibson um who else did they get and they get Wayne Ellington too like they got yeah, a bunch don't of forget about really Wayne. Need good that shooting. veterans exactly you got shooting you got tough guys on one end um point guard play is going to be very important for them and I think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to step up if he doesn't I'd be disappointed but um I think they have a good team you know and I don't think I think I'd pump the brakes on the playoff talk but 
You know, I, my my well, father's the biggest Knicks fan. I know he thinks they're going to go for somewhere near 500. I'd say somewhere in the 30 to 33, or maybe 28 to 33 wins. When you win 17 games last season, you go up to 28 or 30. It's a big a jump. Season. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and they're, I mean, look, um, I we'd all love to to think that that's a possibility. They're, they are plus nine. I Last I checked, I think this was it. They're plus 900 in Vegas to make the playoffs uh, for a reason. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, look, it, it, it's just, it is what it is. Um, it's, um, and, and by the way, lest anyone hear you talk about their roster additions as like, oh, it's, you know, it's just putting lipstick on a pig. You wrote a piece, and again, I don't know how you got it out there so quickly. It, it had to be in like the very short window after we knew they weren't getting Durant and, and Irving um, on the night of June 30th. But before they made, I think they had the, the rumors for Randall had started. And you basically laid out, this is for, for SB Nation, you laid out like a step-by-step plan. Like the Knicks need X, A, B, C, yeah. X, Y, and Z. And it's almost as if Scott Perry and Steve Mills read what you wrote and went out and did it. <laughs> so I, you are a you are a true believer in what the, and I so am I. I mean, I'm I'm with you, but you are are a true believer in what they did. You brought up the point guard position, and I think that's um, it's a good place to transition to uh, the young man uh, now old enough to drink as of the end of July, right? Who had himself a nice little a nice little morning, although I guess it was the evening where he he was um, for Team France, and of course that's that's Frank Nilakina. You got a piece out um, pretty quickly after that game in which you said something that I, I have so many thoughts about this and how it plays in with with the Knicks and the last two years and everything. The thing that you wrote was this: um, there is positive chatter surrounding their former first rounder, seemingly for the first time in his career, and I was thinking about right. it. Like, literally five or six or seven, whatever it was, days after the guy was drafted, Phil gets fired, and immediately the story is, oh, how funny is that? They draft the triangle point guard, and then the guy who runs the triangle is gone. Um, And it's like there's been something negative surrounding this kid for, again, literally almost the entire two years. And obviously we don't have to go back, and or maybe we will go back a little bit and talk about what happened this season, but... I just I wonder how much the fact that this is a, a wholly positive experience for him, um, maybe more than you know the fact that his jumper looks better and and the fact that he you know the, the the confidence he gets from playing against some of the best players in the world. Like I wonder if that's maybe more than anything what he needed. It, it probably is, and to 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 keep it a hundred percent real, my interactions with Frank have been minimal. You know, I, I've never really got a chance to rap with him one-on-one and in group settings i probably asked him maybe three or four questions since he's been drafted because i've been mostly nets last year and the year before that i was transitioned from Knicks to nets um but this is like like you like you pointed out this is the first time i've ever seen people excited about what he's doing you know we saw him in some some workout videos i think working with tim martin somebody down in texas he's working with some notable trainer i believe it's tim martin and um you know we saw his jump shot dropping today um and most importantly and, you know, obviously what we know Frank for is defense, but he really got into Kemba Walker. And Kemba's a guy I've been high on ever since he came into LA. This is a guy who can go out there and get you 30, 40 points any given night. Kemba looked flustered. He didn't – Frank was picking him up a little bit before half court. I think the very first play of the game, he got a steal on Kemba. And, and then it, that kind of set the tone. I believe it was the very first play of, of this game today. He, he forced a turnover out of Kemba, and from there – you know, it kind of it kind of just set the tone that these guards were going to be pressing up. 
and for him to we but the thing is we knew he had that in him right everyone knew that frank could could defend ones twos and threes it was just a matter of can he put it together on offense and we saw somebody today who looked comfortable in an offensive set now that comfortability may have came from the French national head coach deciding, hey, this is Frank Nelikano, who's an NBA player. Let's start him for our French national team. But it also might be a byproduct of, hey, you know, I've been putting extra work into my craft. You can see him. He had a, a side step slash side slash step back jumper over Kemba today, and he left his arm up as if he knew it was going in. He was <laughs> running up the court. He was kind of like, yes, that's like, he was kind of celebrating. And then the celebration and after, like, man, we have was. never seen that from him. Yeah. Exactly, and we've never seen that from him because A, he hasn't really earned the trust of the coaching staff, and B, he really didn't have it put together on offense like that. And now I think some of the things are starting to come together. Um, this is going to be a big year for him. I don't think the Knicks should trade him. I've, I've seen some some trade chatter. Obviously, his stock is higher right now than it ever has been because, man, when you talk about he got drafted and he gets fired and then we see what he does in year one, his stock immediately plummets. Um, but I think that the Knicks should just see what they've got in him. I don't know if he's a pure one, you know, and I don't think he's a pure three. So he's somewhere in he's, – he's kind of a tweener in that aspect. But that's a guy who can defend. We saw him really lock Kemba Walker up, and you can't say that about everybody. And if he's hitting pull-up threes the way he did today, and I know the FIBA three-point line is really a long two, but if he's hitting those shots, why not? He even had a couple layups. I think he went coast-to-coast on one play. Uh, he had a couple impressive layups in the paint. I mean, this was a, a this was probably the best day of Frank Milikita's career since he got drafted. Oh, was, yeah. I mean, if you if you throw in – if you add the stakes to – obviously, what was at stake? I mean, it's as, as big a game as I'm, I'm sure uh, there's been in France, right. with France in some time. But – and the performance – you brought up a couple things which I just want to touch on. The first of which is the idea of him being a point guard. And I think I think almost part of the problem is that from day one, fans and analysts and everything, you know, maybe the coaches even, have been so obsessed with the idea of is he a point guard, is he not a point guard. I, 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 I don't think that we've just asked enough of a, another question, which is, whether he's a point guard or not, can does, he play? Do, well, can he play? And does he ever have any business not playing alongside another? I want to say like primary initiator. Like so, we saw him in right. this in this tournament at, at all times was playing alongside either one or some, usually two of Fournier, Batum, or Decolo, who are guys right. with the, very comfortable with the ball in their hands. Um, Putting aside from the fact that the the team that he's played alongside for most of the last two years with the Knicks has not been very good, um, he either right. hasn't played alongside that type of guy, or when he's played alongside the type of guy who could kind of be that initiator, it's been like someone that has not been um, uh, maybe akin to sharing all that much, like Alonzo uh, uh, Trier. I love Trier, but I mean, he, <laughs> listen, he's he's kind of bullock. Yeah. Um, or Trey Burke was kind of looking for his a little <laughs> bit more um, when he was playing with Frank. I just wonder now, you know, you mentioned RJ before that RJ is going to have a tough learning curve. I've been really, really, really hoping, and I, I think this is um, me probably pissing into the wind, that RJ gets brought off the bench this year um, just for the oh, sake no. of... I, I've, oh, uh, no. Listen, That's, man. I, oh, man. That's... Here's why. Yeah, I if you're gonna start Dennis, Dennis Smith Jr. and you're gonna start Julius Randle, two guys who we know like the ball in their hands, need the ball in their hands. I'm wondering if RJ doesn't work better in a as a guy who you could put the ball in his hands for the most part 
or a lot of the time in the second unit, and then have a guy like Frank alongside of him um, as a guy who could be the nominal point guard, who but at the same time doesn't mind um, and maybe actually benefits from the fact that he's not going to have the ball in his hands all that much because it's usually going to be in RJ's hands. That's my thinking. I totally get the idea of trying to put the number three pick in the draft coming off the bench. It's The optics are bad. I don't know if that's going to fly for any number of reasons. I get it. But I think there is some basketball sense to it. So I'm curious. You, you, you obviously disagree. So give me your take. I, I only disagree with you on the sense that we see teams like, you know, Dame and CJ, you know, with the Nets, we saw D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie sharing the ball. That's true. Um, I think that the guard position is becoming interchangeable where you could have two ball dominant guards on the floor and just put it on the coach to figure out how to how to make that work, you know, and I think this is this cause this all goes back to Fizdale. This is all Fizdale's job. He's gonna have to figure out a way to get everyone those minutes. And there's a lot, there's not a lot of minutes to go around when you look at all the players they have and the roles that they're coming from. And you know, you bring in a guy like RJ, who if if you don't play RJ at least 25 minutes a night, they're gonna start calling for Fizz's. Oh, they they need rip. to play. Oh, 100 you know? they gotta play him 25 a night. Yeah. That, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. So, and the, my other concern is if you start if you start bringing RJ off the into the beginning of the season when does it stop you know does he become a career six man i don't think you want your third overall pick to be a guy who's who's you know primary role is bringing scoring off the bench i think that the move there is, to, is definitely to start him um but i do see where where you would I, I can understand what kind of reservations you would have in terms of his style dennis smith jr's play style julius randall who needs the ball um and then you've got to have a shooter at the three so i'm gonna so you've got to start Knox. that there's no way you can't do that and then you got to start mitchell Robinson. And, and that's probably your lineup right there, unless Alfred Payton wins that starting job over Dennis Smith. In which case, that's probably a, a, a not so bad thing because then you've got Alfred Payton, who's not really a shoot first type of guy, but who's going to initiate the offense and play defense. Then you got RJ Barrett who can shine some, and then you've got a bunch of other guys who are going to. Well, Julius Randle is a guy who can he can actually create for others in some spurts. Um, I think the, I think Fizdale has a lot of options, and it's just a matter of which one he feels more comfortable going with. I think we'll see him try different things out on, along the course of the season. He might not have the same starting lineup throughout the entire year, probably won't. Um, and that's going to be part of his job. You know, it's going to be part of the, the reason why we're going to – I won't say – judgment, but we're going to judge him based on how he is able to, to handle this roster because there's a lot of guys in there who need their minutes, and there are not going to be enough minutes to go around. Um, so I'm curious where, where Fizz is concerned um, because you, you touched on it before. Last year, um, he, he held the thing together. I mean, the, 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 you, know, yeah. you know, it wasn't – I don't want to say it was a good ship lollipop, but generally speaking, you know, we've seen NBA locker rooms really deteriorate, and uh, I don't think that happened at all by any stretch of the imagination with the Knicks. No. But – Again, again, going back to Frank, there seemed to be, and I always argued it was because he he wasn't getting from Frank on the court, not in terms of production, but just in terms of play style. He wanted more aggressiveness, and he wasn't seeing that. And so he got, you know, found a seat on the bench a lot, whereas a guy like Knox, the production obviously wasn't there, but he was at least going out and doing um, the things that they were telling him to do. I, I just, in your, you've, I think you've probably had some, some interactions with Fisdale um, here and there. Is that, uh, over mm-hmm. the, yeah. It, yeah, that's accurate. I, I think his best quality is probably juggling, uh, and again, this is my read, obviously, having 
never sat down and, and talked to the man. My read is that he is really good at juggling personalities and getting buy-in sure. from guys who, whereas you know another coach might not be able to get that buy-in. I, I almost think that that is why, even though people sometimes lament his X's and O's or lack of X's and O's, I think in some ways maybe this year he is the perfect coach, for, maybe not the perfect coach for this team, but a, a, a well-suited coach for this team because guys are going to need to be okay. You've referenced it several times with maybe you know, not playing a night or a couple nights in a row. Um, how do you think he, he handles that? Do you think he's up to the task? Um, I I think that from what I've heard from other players, other pl- players around the league love Fizz, capital L-O-V-E. They, they gush when they, whenever you ask about him. They have nothing bad to say. They have all good things. Dwayne Wade loves him. LeBron loves him. All these players across the league love him. And that's because of just the type of guy he is. Everyone calls him a player's coach, but – I mean, in reality, he's a guy who, who, number one, he's always, from what I've been able to talk to Knicks players last year and whatnot, they've been able to say that he's a guy that's instilled confidence in them to go out there and do their job. And part of that is, hey, you know, some guys are going to have to take nights off, or maybe not even nights off. Some guys are going to get relegated to garbage time. He's, it's tough because the Knicks have so many guys that are going to have to play the same position. You've got Gibson, you've got Randall Portis, you've got Morris. Uh, those four, I mean, a lot of people say, hey, some of them are going to play the three, some of them are going to play the five. You've got to give Mitchell Robinson the, the majority of the minutes at the five. Have right? To. As long Have as he's to. not in foul trouble, he's got to play third, at least 30 minutes a night. And you've got to give Kevin Knox the majority of the minutes at the three, if not the four, right? So, and that's just for, for purely A, for developmental purposes, and B, just to see if he what he is made of, because this is a, a big year for him. So, I mean, in terms of, of the buy-in, I mean, it's going to be tough. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of these guys on the trade market by the time February comes around because guys are going to want to play. And if the Knicks aren't above the, the – above, I won't say above 500 because that's a tough ask, but if they're not staying afloat, they should they, – they absolutely should turn around and try to get some draft assets for some of those guys because, A, it's going to be impossible to play veterans when, when you have a losing season and they're not making the playoffs. You're obviously going to want to see – what the rest of your team is made of and be I don't think they brought in all these players at the same happenstance. I think that they thought in advance, hey, we should try to recruit some draft assets along the process, pick up some guys that we might be able to deal around the deadline. Um, that was kind of me going off on a tangent. Um, I think Fizz, for one, is, I think to your point, he is a guy who has a good rapport with players in general. I think he will be able to get that buy-in that you were talking about with B. Um, I think that his personality is a guy who's he's just a he's just a tough dude, and they signed a bunch of tough dudes. And I think when you've got guys that are are, are kind of similar in a mentality, it should be easier to get that buy-in. Um, first of all, we love tangents on this show. You, I, I <laughs> literally, um, I will usually go. I feel bad actually when I'm a guest on other people's show because I try to limit my tangents because when I'm you know interviewing someone like you so when I go on somebody else's show just to hell with it it's all tangents and I don't even care um, so you are more Thanks than welcome yeah <laughs> you're more than welcome to do it here um, well let's finish up with this um, I I was going into draft night and I'm, I'm I have a piece for our newsletter coming out tomorrow I guess well today when people hear this um, in which I talk a little bit about Frank and how I was, I would have bet, I, I don't, maybe a month's mortgage is too strong. I would have bet a goodly sum of money that he was going to get traded, <laughs> that he was going to get traded on draft night. 
Um, I, I certainly would have bet like if someone came up to me in in the bar that we were doing the the thing that night, like, hey, I'll, I'll bet you my bar tab that Frank's you know um, not going to get traded tonight. I'd be like, oh, I'll take that bet. Um, and he survived, and he he survived the next day and the next day, and that's that's now twelve weeks ago. Um, wow. I, it's yeah, it's going to be twelve weeks uh, tomorrow, I believe, since since the draft, and now we have this fever performance, and I. I don't have an answer for this question. I'm curious if you do, because I really am at a loss. We know that any team, well, maybe not any team, we know that a team could have had him for, I want to say, an early second-round pick. And we also know that sometimes around the league, the perception of the Knicks in terms of how they develop their young players, there, there's you know, there's still questions about it. Right. I'm, I'm just wondering, how is it that if, you know, I I think we all agree that potential is there with Frank. If he could have been had for not even a first round pick, I'm wondering why didn't some team, some smart team, some Spurs, pick your team, Spurs, Warriors, I don't know, whoever, jump in and say, all right, we could get this guy for whatever it is, thirty five cents on the dollar, twenty five cents on the dollar. Like I'm just, I I still can't figure out how nobody did that um, with the knowledge that again. You say what you want about what Fizz tried to do with Frank last year. Work didn't work. It, it's like it, it's clearly something has been awry uh, here in New York with him, and we, and we didn't see him get moved. And I just like I'm trying to add this all up in my head, and it doesn't add up. And I, it's unfair to ask you to. to I, I just it doesn't make sense. It seems like he should be on another team by this point, and the fact that he isn't, I'm happy about it. But I just it, I can't figure it out. Um, I, I mean, well. Well, here's 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 how we'll start this. What would you have after you've seen the first two years or so of Frank's career? What would you have started? What would your starting offer for him have been? Would you have been comfortable giving up pick number thirty three in this year's draft? Would the, you have been comfortable giving up pick number thirty eight in next year's draft? Like you never know where these picks are going to go. And based on what we saw from Frank, we saw a guy who could play defense, who was timid on offense at times, who couldn't shoot. And who didn't have much confidence in in, in his in, in his scoring ability. And when you have that combined with not knowing what actual position he is, he was drafted as a point guard. I know we had the, the entire conversation of is he a point guard? Is he a three? He's not necessarily big enough to be a three full time, but he's not doesn't necessarily have the ball skills to be a, a one, nor can he really shoot or stretch an offense or really create his own shot like that. It's like, all right, well, what is his real value? That's why I think this field performance is very important for him. And so is the next game, because this one could have just been a one off. Team USA is obviously small. You know, they had their own their own issues on, with chemistry and, and Popovich. You know, I mean, this was – man, I don't even really want to get into Pop. When you have Brooke Lopez – No, please, get into Pop. I'm curious what your thoughts are. <laughs> I, I just don't think he – I don't. I think he mismanaged his bigs between Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, and Miles, and Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, Miles Plumlee. Those guys only played 16 minutes today. And you've got Rudy Gobert. And you've got to have a big body on him, but you're going to Marcus Smart, and I love Marcus Smart, but that's a mismatch every time. Um, and and obviously this is another tangent that I'm going on that has little to do with Frank, but it's okay. back to Frank. Um, you know, Frank was able to take advantage of a Team USA that was a outmatched, b outsized, and c didn't really have much chemistry. And then you go to a France team that has that's been together, that's that's you know has had different iterations, same team over the years. Um, I think he was able to take advantage. I think the next game is a lot more important for him. I think now scouts are going to be looking. Now the pressure's on. You just had one really good game. Can you do it again? Can you hit some more threes? Can you play the same defense against someone that might be a little bit bigger than Kemba Walker? Because love Kemba Walker. He can score. He's six feet on paper, but 
I'm five ten. He's barely taller than me. So I mean, <laughs> why you have to do him like that? Why you have to do? No, that's my guy. That's my guy. Come on, now. If, if Kemba is by the off chance listening to this podcast, yeah, right, my guy. <laughs> you already know. But um, no, I think I think Frank still has something to prove, and I think teams going. Frank's had something to prove since he was drafted. He was drafted by Phil Jackson for the triangle office that got thrown out basically after the draft and then he proved that he couldn't really shoot he didn't really have point guard skills we still don't know what he is except for a really solid defender and to his credit he's a worker we've seen his game improve at least from last year to where he's going now um so to answer your question i think teams were just hesitant on giving up an early first round pick or an early second round pick or a pair i think the Knicks were looking for a pair of 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 mid to late seconds or whatever and there were a bunch of reports of what they were looking for and weren't getting yeah I think that team was just hesitant to give up what's unknown versus what they knew already in Frank, which was that he couldn't shoot That's and his point. offensive package was very limited. You know, and uh, I That's think now if, if Frank has a great FIBA, if he finishes this game, I think they're—I forget who they're playing next. If, well, they're so you, you said you, you talk about France having continuity. Now you really want to talk about continuity. They're going up against an Argentina team, which right. you want to talk about um, a team that's out kicking its coverage. I mean, they, they're they just like, I mean, the talent may not be there, but you want to talk about like a well-oiled machine. Um, so, yeah, they're going right. to have their work cut out for them, for sure. Exactly. And and Frank's going to have to have another strong game for them to win this. I, number one, I think we saw it, some emotion from Frank that we haven't seen ever. How fired up he was in this game after getting this win. Um, that's something that I like to see. You know, I like to see guys fired up over a win or really upset after a loss that they thought they should have won or something like that. You know, I think emotion goes a long way. I think people pick up on that. And Frank was kind of an enigma. You know, he was he was a Phil Jackson pick that didn't necessarily pan out. And now and then we had the reports where teams weren't even we saw them teams weren't trying to part with second round picks because they didn't know what they were they knew what they were getting versus what they didn't know they were getting in the future. Um, I think that this summer has done a it's it's this summer has made Frank some extra money because you could argue that if the Knicks would have let him become a free agent and he stayed the same player after the next year and if they cut him after next year, I don't think he was going to get another con. I don't think teams would have picked him up after what they've seen from him. Now you see he's got fire. You see he's got he's someone that's working on his game. You see his defense is still elite. Being able to clamp up Kemba Walker like that is that's that's not easy for anybody. And uh, that was the most impressive part of that night for me. Other than you know that I think he hit a pull up three point shot that really caught my attention because I was like, wait a second, he can he can oh, shoot that... off the dribble, and I know that's a long two, but sidestep. You know, pretty sure the sidestep too. That sidestep was, yeah. was I was I, I almost lost my shit when he hit that. I'm like, what is this the same Frank <laughs> that suited up for the Knicks of these last couple of years? Where has that been? Um, but I mean, if that's something that he can bring next year, then he's going to make himself a lot of money. I hope you're right. Um, I would not mind at all. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, you know, it's it's no no. Uh, it's been unearthed uh, now and and bantied about much that the the last first round pick the Knicks gave a second contract to was Charlie Ward and Charlie Ward. Um, might be, Man. might be 50 for all I know right now. No, he's not 50. We shouldn't, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to Charlie. Well, actually, is that that crazy? No, because Charlie Ward was probably 22, 23 when he was drafted and I want to say 93. So yeah, he may be pushing 50. Alexa, how old is Charlie Ward? Oh, I love this. Charlie Ward is 48 years old. Oh, years. Nope. I, you know what? I, you were close. There you go. How old is Charlie Ward? 
Would you like to and it's that? still going. It's about to tell me how old he. How I need an Alexa, no, but I don't want to know how tall he is. My wife has been. My wife <laughs> okay, has been. But saying, yeah, he's forty-eight. My wife has been saying for a year or a couple years. She's like, we need an Alexa. I'm like, do we really need an Alexa? You want an Alexa, clearly, because you keep bringing it up. You don't need. You don't need it. It is. I, so I thought I was gonna be able to, you know, use it as an alarm which is the worst idea because in mid-sleep I just say if the alarm goes off I say Alexa stop and it and it cuts off and I go right back to sleep and if I wanted to if I wanted to wake up at eight o'clock that's going out the window if I wasn't to get up at six in the morning that's out the window but it does it has a, a couple features that are pretty cool I'm able to connect to Spotify and I connect the, nice. the Echo to my sport to my Bluetooth speaker so I could just tell it a song to play or a playlist um I don't necessarily use it as much as I thought I would but I also got it for thirty bucks so it's like eh, it's that's a, not it's bad. A cool perk. Yeah, you should follow Fat Kid Deals on uh, on Twitter if you're not doing that already. They have taken a good chunk of money, but it's it's pretty cool. They've got all the Amazon deals for the low, and they tweet them out every day. And that's how I got I got one for me and one for my mother. And when I got one for my mother, she was like, "Well, oh, you you must be really rich now. You got me this." I'm like, "Ma, stop! <laughs> About twenty five bucks a year, right?" See, this is this is why you should do more podcasts because you're out here giving free promos for for uh, you know <laughs> different sizes. I mean, what's better than this? Um, listen, Christian, um, I I can't thank you enough for for taking the time. Um, and you know, I'm listen. I, I'm sure I'll get shit for saying this, but I cannot wait to continue reading um, everything you write for the Daily News. Um, I I'm really really happy you're there. Um, and I think Knicks fans should be happy that you're there, and I think they will be. Um, and I look forward to just that and your continued rise uh, through the ranks because you, like uh, I said earlier, you're, you're damn good at what you do. And um, yeah, man, I appreciate you taking a few minutes tonight. I know it's uh, we're, we're recording this pretty late in the evening, and um, it, it means a lot. Definitely. <laughs> Number one, thank you for those for those kind words. I really do appreciate it. You know, there are some times in this field where you kind of like second guess if it's the right thing to get into like oh, i got into sports journalism is this really what i'm doing that's and that time normally comes when the checks aren't as big as you need them to be and you got some bills to pay and you kind of want to go out there and get a second job or a third job or a fourth job and uh just hear those things about my journey and just hearing just you you know what really got me was when you read word for word what i wrote today in that frank piece and it's just like man there are really people out there who a care about what i write and oh they're, they care trust the me i promise you read it yeah, they do. And I appreciate you for being one of those people. And uh, I appreciate anybody else that might be listening to this podcast because God knows probably not too many people care what I have to say. But uh, I, I, I respectfully I disagree. I appreciate everybody who's listening to this. Um, if, you're, if, <laughs> if you're not following um, Christian, he's on Twitter, a very good Twitter follow. Uh, you're at uh, K-R-I-S. I love this Twitter name. K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. Chris Blashed. That's a very Chris creative Chris Blashed. There you go. There it is. Chris I like Blashed. it. I came up with it in college, and it just stuck. And it's good, man. Never changed it. And then once you get the once you get the blue check mark, it stays, and you can't change it. I'm like, well. I'm is that true? You him, ha- so Once you go. get the blue check, you can't, you can't change your name? I didn't know that. I, I know it, it used to be true. I don't know if it's still true, but I don't plan on finding out. So I'm just gonna leave it as is for now. I think that's I think that's probably the the right move. Um, well, thank you again, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time. Hopefully, it's not the last time I have you on. And uh, yeah, man, talk to you again soon. No, thank you. One last thing before you go. Oh yeah, um, please. Sorry. So just keep a lookout. Like I said, I'm I'm working on a. Uh, if anybody listening to this is a fan of Karis Levert, I've got something coming out on him uh, pretty soon. So stay tuned. And I'm also 
thinking, well, I'm, I may or may not have something on Dennis Smith Jr. coming out. I've got a line out to his people, and uh, we might be working on something soon, too. I generally don't like to tell people what I'm working on because, fingers crossed, anything could happen. And be it's the time you have an idea for a story and the time you actually sit down and interview the person. But uh, those are two things that I'm working on, and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with them. So keep an eye out if you guys are interested in, in Karis LeVert. You know, just a really cool story about a guy who's been through a lot. Everybody saw his injuries that he had to deal with. Um, Going to tell that story pretty well. And then uh, Dennis Smith is just a fun dude. I got to talk to him his rookie year when he came into the league. Um, I was doing this thing at SB Nation where I was talking to everybody about food. And I got to talk to him about how he grew up eating. And he was talking about, man, I grew up, he was eating all types of cup noodles and stuff. And now I'm out here <laughs> eating roots, Chris, and steaks all the time. It's crazy. So uh, Dennis Smith's a cool guy. I'm going to have another story on him coming out pretty soon. So... If anybody's interested in those guys, keep keep posted. It's coming. Well, now, well, one, I love, I do enjoy Karis LeVert's game, um, even though he is a net. I, I I really enjoy watching him play. <laughs> um, two, um, I'm definitely having you back on because I I think we I know we didn't talk about him. I mean, you talked about him a little bit. We didn't get into Dennis Smith Jr. that much uh, tonight, but I think he is my most interesting. Um, uh, maybe not uh, most interesting, most interesting, you know, Nick for the year ahead. I'll say that in terms of ceiling, no, sure. ceiling outcome. If he can hit a three point shot, man, it's a game changer. Consistently, it opens. Yeah, it opens. Not it doesn't open things up just for him. It opens everything up for the entire team because now you're adding a legitimate playmaking perimeter scorer to that lineup, and it would really work wonders for the Knicks on offense. And uh, hopefully he can do it. You know, we've seen these. I mean, obviously we've seen Carmelo hoodie mellow in the gym one season and then getting knocked out of the nba the next year and i hope something happens with that because i think he deserves to be on the roster but i bring that up to say you know off-season workouts are and everything and uh we might see dennis smith shoot 100 percent and chris brickley's just <laughs> turn around and shoot 26 percent from three again so let's hope we'll that. that pans out uh yeah good That's, stuff um so yeah no man um definitely like Chris said, if you're listening, um, keep an eye out for, for that. So I will be keeping an eye out for that. And um, I'm sure I'll, um, uh, when it comes out, um, share it and, and uh, make sure everybody gets to see that too because your stuff is great. Um, so, yeah, good luck with both of the stories. And uh, like I said, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Anytime, bro.